Amen. Praise God. Let's give our musicians, uh, or I should say the Lord's musicians, a hearty amen for their willingness to give Jesus their talents, amen, so that through music, ministry, individuals will come to know Jesus as his or her personal savior. In 2017, we came together, right? And we said it's important that we build firm and build what? Build firm and strong. And I pray that we did that. Come on, say amen. In 2018, we said how it's very important that we know as church members serve in this community that we are chosen. We must know that we are called. Come on, say amen. And we must know that we are commissioned. We say that TAB is a place where ministry is a what? Way of life. So, and I pray that we, in my short time here, came to understand that. And then 2019, we said, look, look at the world we're in. Look what's going on. It's time for us to awake. For Jesus' coming is closer than when we first believed. And I pray that we woke up last year, amen. Such a short time, but quite a bit we sought to do together. So my last sermon here at Tabernacle as your pastor, I want to simply say how important it is for us to stick together. But it wouldn't be good if I didn't thank you. Come on, say amen. I thank you. I thank the Lord in particular for the opportunity he gave me, first of all, to see this church family accomplish ministry events. I mean, things that we've done through ministry. I thank God that he gave me that opportunity. And then I want to thank the Lord for allow, the opportunity he gave me to see senior members, middle-aged members, amen, and then young people, amen, grow in Christ. I mean, today in the time in which we live, so much is going on, and when we can grow in Christ together in spite of our differences, that's such a blessing. Come on, say amen. I thank the Lord for giving me the opportunity to, to be part of, I would say, this physical church transformation. A lot of things took place physically on this building. Come on, say amen. You remember when I first came in, I shared with you, look, look how those who may not be members, how they see the church. Amen. We may not see it that way because we... See it every Sabbath, every Wednesday night, and every day we come in here. But look how others may see us. And I, 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 I was here a long enough time to see a transformation. Praise God. I thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord that he gave me an opportunity to uh, impact 
even our online audience. We must always remember that when you're streaming, so many people anywhere on the planet can be worshiping with you, you know? And their lives are being impacted one way or another. And I thank the Lord that he gave me that privilege to see the impact on those who watch our live stream and to see lives transforming, decisions made uh, by individuals to join the church. We've had individuals join the body as a result of our worship experience. And I praise God that he gave me the opportunity to see Tabernacle even impact this community. What a blessing. And then finally, I have to thank the Lord for the opportunity he gave me to be married to the love of my life. Come on, say amen. Uh, Sister Laura Taylor, I needed just to wave her hand so she can, you see me, you see me? <laughs> Only God knows where I would be in ministry if it wasn't for her love, her support, and uh, two young men who are doing what they can do, Tony Jr. and Talik, but yet, and I believe my son may be looking at me online here today, <laughs> but they're doing what they can to uh, make an impact, and not only in their relationship with Jesus, but make an impact on the world. Thank God for them. Come on, say praise God. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts just before I pray. Chapter 2, I'm going to read a few verses of scripture that you're familiar with and get through this very interesting and very important message. Stick together, brothers and sisters. Don't let anyone divide you. The Bible says, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. They stuck together. They were all in one place. They understood how important it is to stick together. That's verse 1. Verse 32 says, as you read on there, in Acts chapter 2, verse 32, thus Jesus, uh, the Bible says, this Jesus hath raised up whereof we all are witnesses. Lord have mercy. Uh, this Jesus hath God raised up, rather, wherefore we all are witnesses. And then when you go to verse 44, the Bible says, At Pentecost, as the Holy Spirit fell down and many were pricked in their heart and about 3,000 joined the church, the Bible says, to show you how much they stuck together, in verse 44, and all that believed they were together. And they had all things what? Common. So much so that they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men and uh, everyone, as everyone had need. And they continuing daily with what? There it is together. One accord in the temple breaking bread with from house to house. They did eat their meat and they did with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor because they stuck together and they were united, amen, with all the people. And what did Jesus do for his church? Because they decided that they would stick together and be united. The Bible says what? He added to the church every day. 
individuals who were being saved by his grace and his mercy. And so, Lord, we ask you as we open your word and as we consider the uniqueness and the power of a united church accomplishing the great commission of Christ, we pray that your spirit will touch our hearts. And Lord, as I always ask you, don't only speak through me, but Lord, I need you to speak to me. And when all is said and done, we'll be very careful to give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. Let everyone who loves Jesus say, Amen. And amen, amen, amen. I, I want to tell you that what happened, brothers and sisters, on the day of Pentecost, and eventually continued throughout the early church or the early stages of the church, was one of the greatest evidences of God's power working through men. What happened on the day of Pentecost was one of uh, the greatest evidences of, of God's purpose for the church. One of the greatest evidences of the ability to win men, women, boys, and girls to Jesus Christ. One of the greatest evidences uh, uh, of God's example and, and representation uh, uh, he left on earth symbolizing the Trinity, the Godhead, working together. What happened on the day of Pentecost was one of the greatest evidence of God's reflection of Jesus' unselfish love to humanity. The Bible says they came together, one accord. It was one of the greatest evidences of God's desire to take ordinary people and when he fills them with the Holy Spirit, he makes them extraordinary. Hallelujah. One of the greatest evidences of what the Lord can do. But you may be saying, well, preacher, what was it that was so unique at Pentecost? What was one thing that so impressed the people so much that day? that they decided to follow Jesus. What could it have been? What was it? What would the people see in those individuals to cause 29,000, 2,900 rather, to want to join this group on earth? What is it that can cause so much influence, uh, so much attraction and pull and gravitation and atmospheric energy it is something I want to tell you today that the devil hates it is something that he despises it is something that he will do all that he can to keep it away from our churches to keep it away from our families to keep it away from our schools, our conferences, our pastors in their congregations, and even to keep it out of our hearts. Pastor Taylor, what is it that Satan hates so much in the church, in the family, in the community, and even in the nation? What does he hate? The devil hates unity. The devil hates togetherness. 
He hates true fellowship in love. The devil hates harmony and inclusiveness. He hates when we have one purpose, one strategy, one mission. The devil hates cooperation without complaint. He hates when we support each other and when we embrace each other. Oh, he doesn't like that. Come on, say amen. He hates when we focus more on what we have uh, and we focus more on what we have that is different rather than the focus on what we have in common. Amen. He hates when we are able through the Holy Spirit to genuinely look beyond where we come from and love the Jesus in us and focus on where we are going. Come on and say amen. I believe that the devil hated it when we decided to build strong and firm. I believe that he hated it when we decided that we are called, we are chosen, we are commissioned, and we're going to do the work of ministry. I believe he despised it when we said in 2019, it's time to wake up. He hated it because he knew the power and what happens if we would simply stick together. Are you listening to me? Now, you know, the heart of Jesus was burdened that, so burdened that his followers on earth would be united. When Jesus finished his work on earth, according to John, when we read John chapter 17, he continued to agonize over the condition of the disciples. And, he, and even the evening of his death, he had to deal with division, you know? And like a father or a mother or a grandfather or grandmother on their deathbed, thinking of their children and their grandchildren, keeping the family together, Jesus cries out to his heavenly father and he says, Lord, I pray that they will be one. I pray that they'll come together. I pray that they will find a way to support one another because there's power in that. Well, when you read John chapter 17, verses 1 to 4 and verse 11, there are some things that Jesus expressed there, and I want to share with you five major factors why we should stick together when we think about that particular text. First of all, why unity is powerful uh, and why is it a powerful influence uh, for Christ? Well, I, I, I know, first of all, when we talk about influence, unity is a reflection of who God is. So when your family is together, come on, say amen. When this church is together, come on, say amen. When the community is together, it's a reflection not so much of you and I, but it's a reflection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Unity, brothers and sisters, is a great emotional therapy for the church. When we are united, it heals broken hearts. When we are together, People feel like they belong. Amen. Unity is a great emotional therapy for the church, for a family. Come on, say amen. And even for a congregation and organization. That's why the devil hates it. But there's something else about unity. Do you know that unity is a powerful influence to a community of non-believers? When individuals who don't believe see a family that is together, 
They want to know what makes that family stick together. When individuals come into tabernacle and they experience a unity, there's a power in that, and they want to know what's going on over there. You know what? The Sabbath school lesson this week, just yesterday, said something real powerful. And this is what it said if you read your Sabbath school lesson. God gave Babylon evidence of his supremacy. Babylon? Babylon was a corrupt nation. But he gave evidence of his supremacy, in other words, who he is, right? We're saying unity helps non-believers in the community to, to know what, who God is. So it says God gave Babylon evidence of the supremacy of what his holiness, the holiness of his requirements, and of the sure results of obedience. How did he do that? Well, in this testimony he gave through those, that means Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, come on, say amen, through those who still held fast their loyalty. So unity impacts the non-believer. You'd be surprised what it can do. What else does unity do? Unity, brothers and sisters, it has a power to change hearts and lives, John 17, 19. And then finally, unity encourages individuals to believe that God exists. And you know, the opposite is also true. If, if, if individuals come into tabernacle and they see division, they doubt that there is a Jesus that exists. But when they see unity, it helps them to believe that God exists and he is at work among mankind. Come on, say amen. Why do you think this is true, brothers and sisters? Why is this such an influence? Well, why do you think a young man would rather be in a gang on the streets than to be with his hypocritical family at home? Because in the gang, they are together. Why do you think a person would leave a beautiful church across town with almost 500 members and go and join a little church with wooden pews and, and, and wooden walls with only 25 folks? Why? Because those 25 people, they're together. Even a dog would run away from his crazy master's house and follow a pack of dogs in the rain, in the snow, amen, in ice and sweltering heat because the pack of dogs are united. Jesus said, I want unity to be so perfected, that means matured in them, that the whole world would know, amen, about the love of God. And that's what Jesus desired. Well, what kind of unity do we need in these last days to reach others for Christ? Brothers and sisters, if, if, if we're going to reach anybody in 2020, the Lord has allowed us to see a new year. Come on, say amen. With the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will have to be through united efforts. Are you with me? It will have to be through united efforts. And if you are sitting here today and you are saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit, can I get a witness? It's because of what the Holy Spirit has done in your life. Is that not right? Through the Holy Spirit, we are convicted to come to Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit, our hearts are miraculously changed. It is through the Holy Spirit that we are baptized into the body of Christ. 
It's only through the Holy Spirit that we are skilled and have talents to work in the church. Come on, say it's not because of us. It's because of the Spirit of God. Through the Holy Spirit, it is through him that we have boldness and we have courage and we have tact and we desire to even reach somebody for Jesus. It is through the Holy Spirit only that we will have oneness in these end times. So we are unified. In other words, we stick together through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. So how uh, is this unity through the Holy Spirit? How does this help us to stick, stick together? Well, let me share with you how I believe it does. Number one, unity through the Holy Spirit helps us stick together. How is that, Pastor? Well, through the Holy Spirit, we are what? We're one body. Now, you know that's true because we come from different places, amen? We have different experiences. We go through things on a daily basis differently, but yet we are together as a church family to reach some soul for Jesus Christ, amen? Among those who really love the Lord is really this one body. And in this one body, cultural differences are no longer divisive. They're embraced, amen? They're celebrated. Through this one body, race and class and gender and nationality, they are no longer barriers, but they are like glue to stick us together. Through this one body, we hold each other in high esteem. In other words, we actually cherish each other's uniqueness. So we look at that brother, we look at that sister, we say, wow, she has a unique gift that God has given her, she can be used for the Lord. Come on, say amen. We look at that individual, we look at this individual and say, wow, that individual, God has blessed them to have a smile or blessed them to be hospitable or blessed them to be caring. They can be used here to reach somebody for Jesus Christ. It is through this one body that the Holy Spirit breaks down barriers between high and low, rich and poor, black and white, whatever, amen. Through the Holy Spirit, this one body, we love to respect each other's culture, amen, just as if it was our own. So through the Holy Spirit, we're talking about sticking together, we are one body. You know, there was a church or two churches in a small community. They decided they were going to merge and come together, amen. And they figured that it would be better for us to come together, amen, and work together than to struggle on our own over here and one over there. Amen. And so they decided to make one church out of the two. They said, we need to come together. But the problem was they could not agree once they came together how together they would recite the Lord's Prayer. One church said, well, we want to say, forgive us our trespasses. And the other church says, well, if we're going to do this, we want to say, forgive us our debt. And they went back and forth and back and forth with that thing so uh, conflictive with one another that it is said that one church, they split up, and one church went back to their trespasses, and the other church went back to his or her debts. Could not come together. But if we're going to make it in 2020, if we're going to see these pews fill up, come on, say amen, individuals join this church, 
through the power of the Holy Ghost, they must see that we are one body. But that's not the only way we can stick together. We also stick together through the Holy Spirit. We have one hope. Now, you know, there's a text in the book of Titus. I need to read this to you. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 uh, through 14. And it, and, and, it, and it gives us an idea why you exist, why you are a part of this church. And if this is not the reason why you do what you do, you're not going to stick together and you're not going to make it. The Bible says here in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to what? All men. The Lord shows his grace on everybody. Amen. Doesn't matter who you are. Don't matter what your, doesn't matter what your experience is. And the Bible says this grace teaches us that we should deny ungodliness. Amen. That we should deny worldly lust. Come on, say amen, verse 12. And that we should do what? We should love soberly, righteously, and godly right now in this present world. That's what the grace of God did for me. That's what the grace of God does for you, amen. Looking for the blessed hope. What is the blessed hope? The blessed hope is the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The great hope is that Jesus is coming back. Then it says, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself in a particular people, zealous for what? Excited, eager, enthusiastic about good works. Come on, say amen. Brothers and sisters, why do we come together each Sabbath? Because we simply believe that Jesus is coming again. Is there a witness here today? Why do we come together? Why do we sacrifice personal time and funds and, and, and for the air conditioning, for this building and for ministries? Why do we do that? Because we believe that Jesus is coming again. And through the church, we seek to spread the gospel and prepare men and women to meet him when he comes. Why do we give our time and our talents and our money because we believe that Jesus is coming? Why do we not complain and feel uh, restricted when the Bible says that we should come out of the world? You know, anybody who believes Jesus is coming has no problem with the Bible saying, come out of the world, be separate. Because Jesus is coming again. Why do we do this? You, 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 you'd be surprised what would happen in your life, how it relates to the church, his people, God's people, and his mission, if we would focus more on the second coming than all these other things. It'd be amazing, right? And so if we're going to stick together, we stick together through the Holy Spirit, we know we have what? We have one hope. And then through the Holy Spirit, we have one mind. Now, there are some texts that I want to put up on the screen here. The first one is Romans 15, 5 to 6. It says, now the God of patience and consolation, amen. The Lord, Paul, Paul says to the Roman Christians, grant you to be what? Like-minded. This does not mean we think all alike, but that we have a harmony in the way we approach our thinking and our planning for the church, amen. One towards another. If I want Love, I ought to love you. Amen? If I want respect, I ought to respect you. It amazes me how individuals want respect, but they don't respect anybody. 
But he says we ought to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ. Thank God for Jesus Christ. And then it says that ye may be what? Ye may have, be, you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father, amen, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in another text here, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.10, now I beseech you, in other words, I'm begging you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all want speak the same thing. We cannot reach the community if we have different individuals going out here having different interpretations of the Bible. That doesn't work. And that there be no what? That there be no what? Division. Jesus, is, uh, Peter's talking to the church. Jesus is talking to the, to, to the church. No division among you. There's already division in the world. There's already division in the government. Come on, say amen. There's already division between neighbors and between nations, amen. We see it all the time. And so the Lord said there should be no division among my people. You got to stick together. He goes on to say here, but that you may be perfectly, that means maturely joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, hallelujah, and then finally, brethren, farewell, Paul says. I guess he had his farewells too. <laughs> be perfect. Be of good comfort. Amen. Be of one mind. And then he said that we should live what? Live in, in what? Oh, amen. In love and peace. In the God, amen, of love and peace, he will be with you. That's a plug for any family here that's experiencing division. If you come together, if you pray and say, Lord, bring this family together, the Bible tells you the Lord shall be with you. Hallelujah. Thank God. Amen. Brothers and sisters, having one mind and one judgment, it certainly does not mean that we all look alike or think alike. Thank God for that. But true unity does not erase individuality. I thank God for that. True unity, it does not infringe on our individual experience. It really doesn't. True unity, nor does it eclipse my personal experience with my Lord. Never forget this. When you and I come together and stick together with one purpose and one goal and for souls and one heart for one another, here's what it does. First of all, it validates to others, amen, that what God is doing for me, he can do it for you. Thank you, Jesus. And then it shows a world that is torn apart, a world that is divided with great tension filled with hate and malice. It shows the world that Christ, his people, they are of peace. And I thank God for that. And it also it reflects the power of God to take all of these worldwide national differences and he can make one people. To serve the world. Now, this is something that uh, one of my, uh, I love to read his uh, books. His name is John Maxwell. He says something very unique in a book he wrote some years ago called How Successful People Think. And he says, page 91 and 96, look what he says. He says, good thinkers know that when they value the thoughts of what? And ideas of others. When they do this, 
And this is, this is good for the leaders here in uh, 2020, the new, the new leaders. When you value the thoughts and ideas of others, they receive the compounding results of what is called shared thinking. And when they receive this, they accomplish more than they ever could on their own. No pastor can do anything without the church. Amen. No pastor can move forward and do anything without the church. It's not one man. It's all of us together. Come on and say amen. And we praise God for that. Brothers and sisters, no church, no conference, no family, no marriage, no government can accomplish its goals and mission if one person does all the thinking. If one pastor does all the thinking. If one family in the church controls everything. You're not going anywhere if that's the case, amen. If one culture in the church does all the thinking, if only the educated in the church do all the thinking, if only one gender does all the thinking, if only those who lead out do all the thinking, brothers and sisters, if only one group does all the thinking, you can't move forward. And so Maxwell says something about shared thinking. He says shared thinking, it is Faster than solo thinking. Now, it would have been wonderful if when we decided that we would beseech the Lord and raise $60,000 on the first Sabbath of the 10 weeks, amen, if someone came down the aisle and said, Pastor, I love Tabernacle. You all are doing great things. That would have been wonderful for that person to write a $60,000 check. Come on, say amen. But in most cases, that doesn't happen. Are you with me? It is the united efforts of the brothers and sisters and those who donate that will help us to reach that goal. So shared thinking uh, is much faster than solo thinking, uh, thinking right? Maxwell says shared thinking is more innovative than solo thinking. There are, there, there, there are hundreds of ideas right here in this church of what we can do. And we ought to tap into it. Amen? Shared thinking is stronger than individual thinking. Shared thinking brings more maturity to the table than solo thinking. Shared thinking accomplishes more than solo thinking can accomplish. Paul says make sure if you're going to stick together that your thinking and your planning and your strategizing, amen, is united. Amen. Now, as the music begins, I want to say this. What a joy it has been to share in the successes of this church. Amen. What a joy it has been. Uh, after talking to the foreman of a sequestered jury the bailiff he whispered to the judge he went over to the judge and he said judge I'm telling you right now and this is what the, the bailiff said he said it's going to be a long deliberation process and so the judge said what do you mean you mean it's going to be long uh, deliberation we should, we should be out here in no time he said no judge and what he did he handed to the judge the list for the lunch. He said, look at this lunch list. 11 hamburgers, one hot dog. 11 coffees, one hot chocolate. 
11 slices, 11 slices of apple pie, one prune Danish, 11 slices of pizza, one calzone. It's going to be a long deliberation. Just by looking at the lunch list, it's evident that all these folks are thinking differently. We don't know how they're going to come to some type of verdict, but we will see. So Tabernacle, I encourage you in my last sermon as your official pastor, don't forget why Jesus wants this church to be united. Right? There's a reason why he wants you to stick together. Unity is the burden that Jesus holds for his people. He wants you to stick together. Unity can only happen through the indwelling power of the Spirit. And unity is, is that powerful force that will draw people in this community to Jesus Christ. So as we bow our heads and as we pray and as we thank the Lord for what he has done for us, amen, uh, and blessing this church, if there's someone here today and in your heart, you're just saying, Pastor, just pray for me that in my own individual life that, 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 that the Lord will bring about more unity for me in my soul, in my mind. If your feeling is you want to see more unity in your own life, I invite you to stand as I pray. I want to see more unity in my life, Pastor. I want the Holy Spirit to embrace me in such a way that the world will know, not I, but Jesus Christ that is in me. Jesus Christ that is in me. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the blessing of life. We thank you that the church is alive and well in spite of how the world views it. We thank you that even today, somewhere on this planet we call Earth, in some Sabbath service, somebody joined the church. We thank you, Lord, for someone who is even listening to this live stream today. And there may be division in their life. The devil may have sown conflict in such a way that they don't know which way to go. Their mind is even divided. And whether they should go here or go there or do this or do that. And Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is speaking to that person right now and telling them if you invite Jesus into your heart, if you make a decision that you're going to serve him come what may, if you repent, confess of your sins, and turn your life over to the master, the master unifier, he will erase all the confusion in your life. He will erase the impact of all the division. And even if you are the only one who believes in your family, the Lord can give you joy. He can give you peace. And so, Lord, we give you praise. And now your people, Lord, are standing because they are saying, Lord, I need more of your spirit to come within me and to give me that peace and give me that joy that I might Show that Christ is with me in a divided world. Oh, how confused this world is. Because many don't understand and know that the end is near and Jesus is coming. And so we're praying today 
that you would touch each individual who has recommitted their heart to you. And for that young boy, that young girl, that man, that woman, whoever you may be, if you have not given your heart to Christ, I encourage you and beseech you, as Paul says, come to Jesus before it is eternally too late. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, but turn your life over to Jesus and you'll never be the same again. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you gave me to minister through this pulpit. I pray that many have come to know you as a result of my efforts through you. And we give you praise for what you will continually do in this church through ministry. In Jesus' name I pray that all of God's children say amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.